Hey there, thanks for listening to our podcast. On this episode, you'll be hearing from one of our interns, Will Wingate. Will is in the second year of his internship and is Lord willing heading to seminary in the fall to study to become a pastor. The REF internship is a unique two-year ministry opportunity that gives recent college graduates an opportunity to uh, minister on campus with students, um, to complete an in-depth study program that helps them grow personally and spiritually, and they get to spend a lot of time one-on-one with the campus minister, finding out what is it like to do ministry day in and day out in a very diverse and fast-paced context. Uh, It's our hope that our interns will grow uh, closer to the Lord Jesus and find their hope and rest in Him. And it's also our hope that our our interns will uh, grow more and more in love with the local church and that they will seek to serve her wherever she's found for the rest of their lives. If you'd like to find out more about the REF internship, you can just click the link that's in the description of this episode or you can Google RUF internship. As always, you can find out more information on our interns or the ministry in general at RUF at App State um, at www.appstate.ruf.org. Thanks. Hey, I'm Will, everyone. Um, For those of you who don't know, some new students or whatever, I'm the uh, male intern here, the guy intern. This is my second year. This is my second time getting to uh, stand up here and uh, talk to you guys, preach, try that out. So I'm sorry. Um, no, I'm really glad to be here. Um, it's always a real great joy for me to be able to open the word and talk to you guys about it. So uh, as most of you guys know, we're going through the Apostles' Creed uh, this semester. And we've gotten to the part in the Apostles' Creed where it says, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church and the communion of saints. And so that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. And so what I want to do before we really get into the passage is I want to give you guys like a cliff notes of what that means. Because some of you guys might have grown up with Creed, you don't really know what it's talking about there. We say we believe in one Holy Catholic Church. What we're saying is we believe in one universal church. So what the word Catholic means. It's not referring to a denomination. It's referring to all of God's people throughout space and time. We're saying everyone who has ever believed in Jesus or ever will is united to him as their head. And we're all part of one big church in spite of the differences in language, despite differences in denomination, whatever. We're all united. And then communion of saints, what we're saying is that all of us are united together. Like... Catholic Church, when you think about it, is kind of like this big, like, cosmic idea. People all over the world, like, there's Christians in Afghanistan who, who are your brothers in Christ. We're talking about communion of saints. We're talking about, like, the people sitting in this room. Like, the person sitting right next to you. Um, and so, kind of what the idea of the Holy Catholic Church and communion of saints, the big idea behind this is that God is in the business of making a new humanity. Like, everything we've already talked about in the Apostles' Creed, everything that God has already done in history, everything he's doing now, and everything he's going to do in the future, has one goal in mind. And that's for there to be a group of people who love Jesus and love each other throughout all eternity. So the point of your life, in case you were wondering, the point of your life is to glorify and enjoy God 
forever with other people, including the person sitting right next to you. But that's where things get difficult. Like, when you talk about the Catholic Church, communion of saints, when you talk about this big, grand idea of what God's doing in history, I think most of us would be like, yeah, I can get on board with that. But when it's like, how does this actually play out? How does this actually work with your roommate? With the person sitting next to you? With the person who's awkward? With the person who annoys you? They don't necessarily have to be the same people. Um, but anyway, that, that's kind of the question. And that's really what I want us to look at tonight. I don't want to talk so much about the doctrine as I want to talk about, like, how does this actually work? How can we actually do this? How can we live out this vision that God has for his church? So um, if you guys look on your handouts or if you have a Bible, you can turn to Romans 15. Verses 1 through 7. This passage we're reading tonight. This is the word of the Lord. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another, in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. So let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, um, we are so thankful for this opportunity we have to be together, to hear from your word, uh, to worship you, have fellowship with each other. Um, Lord, we have heard your word, and it really is enough. Your word is enough to convict us, uh, to convert us, to build us up in faith. Um, Lord, but I ask that you would be here now, that you would bless the preaching of your word, um, that you'd give us all ears to hear and eyes to see. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we look at this passage tonight, I think it reveals to us three different ways that we can look at church or three different ways that we can engage in Christian community. And what I'm going to call them are unison, discord, and harmony. But those are really boring titles. So what I'm really going to call them is Gregorian chant, freeform jazz odyssey, and barbershop quartet. So the first one is Gregorian chant. Um, I also like to think of this as VH1's I Love the 1380s. Um, probably many of you haven't listened to it. Um, I actually like to listen to it while I'm studying because I'm weird. But it's this old style of music, and kind of what's distinctive about it, you have a bunch of different singers, but all of them are singing the exact same melody line. You can have 20 guys. There's no harmony. There's no deviation, and you can have 20 people all singing, and it sounds like one voice. Um, 
And, and so there's a view of church that says something like this, the Gregorian chant view. It says, like, if we're going to be in church together, if we're going to be in Christian community together, this is what it looks like. There's no variation. Like, you need to look just like me. You need to act just like me. It'll say things like this. Like, unless you believe the exact same theology that I believe, unless you read the same books that I read, unless you um, worship the same way I worship, unless you live the way I live, vote the way I vote, and care about the causes that I care about, I can't be in relationship with you. That's a view of Christian community. And this is the big problem with this. We're not going to spend a lot of time on this one, but the biggest problem with that view of Christian community is where is Jesus on that list? Like you talked about all these things you believe, vote for, you know, are you into the same things I'm into? Where's Jesus? Community that's built around like common personalities, community that's built around common interests and not on Jesus is not a church. It's a clique. It's a club. And the thing is, like, it may feel like it's love, but deep down it's actually very selfish. Because if you look here in verse 1, Paul says, We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his own good to build him up, for Christ did not please himself. Like, the reason I'm saying this is, like, a very selfish way to view community, because when you think about it, it's the most anti-Christian way you can go about living with people. Because, and this is, like, something we all fall into pretty naturally. Like, often what happens, you, like, meet someone new, and, like, immediately you start, like, sizing them up and calculating them. You're like, what can I get out of this person socially, emotionally, mentally, do we click together? Will they make me look cool? Will they make me look not cool? Whatever. And this is the way that we normally go about it. And if like they add up, then it's like, you're worth my time. I think I'm, I'm, it's worth my time to invest in you because I'm going to get all these benefits out of it. But we can see from this passage that's exactly the opposite of how Jesus deals with us. Like, throughout the Bible, it's assumed there are going to be people in your community who are very different from you. And so we can't make that the standard of whether we live with each other. So I think, like, most of us can kind of see, like, that's a pretty bankrupt way, the Gregorian chant way. But this, so, like, we kind of see that, but this is what we end up doing. We go from Gregorian chant and we wander over to this thing that I'm calling the freeform jazz odyssey, which is a reference to Spinal Tap. Anyone? Yeah, the two guys who watched it with me. Um, that's great. Um, so kind of like a free-form jazz odyssey. I don't really know if that's actually a thing or if that's just something they talked about in the movie. But the idea is, like, all these musicians get together. And there's no sheet music. Like, they haven't picked out a key. They haven't picked out a tempo. They're just like, guys, let's just, like, stand up here and just kind of play what's in our heart. And... Um, kind of the way that works itself out in church is like, man, church isn't about, like, being a part of a Christian community isn't about, like, having a certain set of beliefs. It's not about, like, living a certain way. This way of viewing church is just live and let live. Like, everyone do whatever you want. Don't care about how other people live their lives. 
Let's just do whatever. And I, I think that view of church is really popular with us. And I think it's because many of us have been burned by that other style. Like you might have grown up in a church where it was like, conform to us in this group or we're going to exclude you. And so we like run to this other thing. But I want to like suggest to you guys that that other view, the freeform jazz odyssey, really has just as many problems as the first. Um, have you guys ever been like at a birthday party and experienced what I call a happy birthday song fail? <laughs> like, I was thinking about this this week. Like, so like it's time, like the cake comes out, the candles are lit, and it's like time to sing the song. Like everyone loves that part. And then the thing is like no one's taking the initiative with singing the song. And besides the fact like the person whose birthday it is, like you don't really know their name or like what they're called by. Because they have like three different nicknames. And so like you're, everyone's like standing around this person with their mouths like waiting. And then it just kind of everyone starts at once in eight different keys. So like one guy's like, happy, 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 happy. And it's all at once, and it's just grating. And then you get to the part where it's just time to say their name. You're like, happy birthday, dear. <laughs> and then like, finally, when it's done, everyone's like, yeah, this is awesome. But it's like, it's not for the person. It's just like, thank the Lord, this moment is over. Like, I can't even stand this. So, okay, that's the problem with the freeform jazz view of church. When you think about it. Like, if we have a, like, if our musicians stood up here, right, and it was like, man, let's just throw out the music. Like, let's forget about keys. Let's just all play our own favorite song at the same time. It, like, that's not music. Like, that's chaos. And it's not beautiful. So, like, if you guys had, like, your iPhones right now, and I was like, everyone pull out your iPhone and play your favorite song right now. It would, like, there wouldn't be music. It would just be white noise. And this is kind of what happens when we view community as just, like, an everything goes, live and let live, who cares kind of way. That's the first problem, but there's even a bigger problem with it in that, like, the live and let live kind of thing really seems like it's loving, but it's not, because indifference is not love. Indifference is actually the opposite of love. And if you think about it, like, if there's any person that you truly love, and I don't mean just, like, romantically, but I mean, if you love someone, whether it's a family member a really good friend, and you see them doing something that you know is harmful to their well-being and to their joy, that gets you upset. Like, you don't just sit back and say, like, yeah, it doesn't matter. Live and let live. Like, if your best friend starts shooting up heroin tomorrow, you're not going to be like, meh. Like, <laughs> it makes them happy. <laughs> like, that's like when you have things called interventions, where it's like all the people who truly love that person get together and are like, look, we love you, and this is bad, and it needs to stop, right? And so what I'm trying to say is that, like, there's no such thing as a true community with love that does not include rebuke 
an intervention. Like, not rebuke in, like, the mean, like, the first group, like, conform or else, but, like, I care about you, and I know this is bad for you. Um, need some water. And, and the final problem with that view is this. Just like the first view, it leaves Jesus out of the picture, which is a pretty big problem when you're talking about church. Look at what uh, the scripture that we're looking at says in verses 4 through 5. It says, For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another that together you may with one voice glorify God. So Paul's point here where he says like everything written in former days, like that's the Bible, was written for our encouragement. It was written to like, if we're going to like carry this musical metaphor even further, the Bible is our sheet music. And Jesus is our conductor. Like, we're all not just coming together as the church, and we're not just saying, like, what's in my heart, and how can I express myself? But part of being a church, and Christians, despite all of our differences, we all agree about this. Being a part of a church means coming into a community where the Bible and Jesus are the center of our unity. Not personalities, not interests, not causes, those two things hold us together. Um, And the thing is, whenever we drop those things, it descends into chaos. So, pretty problematic. Um, So neither of those first two options work. And the third one is barbershop quartet which really solves all of our problems. If you ever want to know what this sounds like, uh, Carl Steinhauer, Gabe Bryson, Luke Gatto, wherever Luke is. Like, get, if you're ever in the same room with these guys, just ask them to like, sing you some of the old songs they used to sing, and you'll know what it's like. But Barbershop Quartet is four different parts. It's four distinct lines of music, one melody and three harmonies, And even though these things are different, each person is singing something that's suited to their voice. It all comes together to form one song. Four notes coming together to form one chord. And and I think this idea, this diversity coming together to form a unity, is what Paul has in mind in verses 5 through 6, where he says, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another, in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Like, it's really important there that he says, I'm asking that God would grant you guys to live in harmony. He's not saying, I want you guys to be, like, identical to each other. Like, nowhere in the Bible do we get this idea that every single person who's a Christian is going to believe exactly the same things about every topic or that we're all going to have the same interests, or have the same like style of humor, or whatever. But he's like, but I want you guys to live in harmony with one another. And the way that happens is in accord with Jesus. Like, in accord in the sense of, like, Jesus is the melody line. 
you are harmonizers. But often the way that we think about the Christian life, like because we're kind of selfish by nature, is we think like, I'm the main singer on this stage. And everyone else is kind of like my doo-wop backup girls. Like they're just kind of standing in the back and like accenting certain words that I say or whatever. But that's not true. Jesus is the lead singer. He's the soloist. The Bible is the score. And when we come together, this produces like a beautiful song that is glorifying to God. When we each realize that we're not the ones out to steal people's thunder, like our part serves to make other parts sound more beautiful. Um, So that's a pretty awesome way to view church. But here's kind of like the thing. You're like, so what? (laughs) Like we can talk all day about how to get, like where we want to go. But the question is, how do we get there? Because deep down, many of us, just like in our interactions with people, we're just thinking, what can I get out of this person? How can we be freed to actually look at other people and say, like, I'm not here to please myself. I'm not here to serve myself. I'm here to please this person. Like, that person who's awkward, (laughs) who I always try to avoid talking to, or that person who's annoying, or whatever. I think Paul answers the question for us in verse 7. He says, therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. And this is what Paul's saying. Like, Jesus did not welcome you. He did not enter into relationship with you because you had anything that he was trying to get out of you. He didn't enter into relationship with you because he kind of stood back and he was like, "Uh, do they measure up to my criteria? Okay, they're worth it. I'll go and love them. Like, think about this for a second. Jesus, like Jesus wasn't lonely. He wasn't looking for something out of you. Jesus from all eternity was in this perfect loving relationship with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. Like, like, this is just a thought. God is a community. God is one, and God is three. And he is a community of persons who have, before time began, been in perfect love and joy with each other. Jesus was satisfied. He wasn't missing anything. He wasn't lacking anything. But then he looks to you in your sin, in your shame, and he comes to you And he serves you and he says, I have come to you because I want to bring you into this joy that I already have. I am welcoming you in to this dance that I have been doing with my Father and the Spirit from eternity past. And that is the reason why we welcome one another. That's the motivation for our community. Because if that, like if you've been welcomed into that love, if that love can satisfy you, if that can fire you up, however you want to say it, that is what obligates us to love one another and to go out to others and instead of seeking to get something from them, to welcome them into the joy that we already have. So kind of 
That's, that's what, like, when we talk about in the scripture, we talk about things like indicatives and imperatives. I know those are, like, big phrases. But the idea here is, like, there are some things that God has already done for us. Those are indicatives. Those things are just true. Whether you feel like they're true, whatever, they're true. And the imperatives are the things where God says, now because of that, go out and do this. And so I think really, like, there's not really much of an application for me to give for this passage except what it says in verse 7. Welcome one another as God in Christ has welcomed you. And so, like, I'd really challenge you guys this week, and my prayer for you guys is that we would be satisfied with the love and the welcome that Christ has already given us, and that we would actively be thinking, how can I go find that person who I always overlook? Like, in this room, like, who's that person I overlook? Who's the guy who doesn't get invited to the movie nights? And get, like actively find that person and bring them into your community. Especially if they're different from you. Especially if they have a different sense of humor. Love them. And receive from them just as much as they receive from you. And I also say, like, find a local church here in Boone, guys. I know it's easy as a college student. You're like, I'm only here. I mean, if you're a freshman, you're like, I have four years. As a senior, you're like, I have one year. It's really easy to be like, man, I'm just in transition. I really don't have the time or energy to commit to a group of people here in this town that I'm not going to live in after college. But I challenge you guys to do that. Find a local church here in Boone. Get plugged in with them. Because like Chris said last week, that is where the Holy Spirit is at work in this community. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your people and uh, the grace, the kindness that you've shown to all of us in welcoming us into your family. Uh, Please, Lord, help us to extend that welcome to others. In Jesus' name, amen.